very fittingly, this episode of the Westwood Living Podcast is coming to you from the Westwood Public Library. I'm with Ian Price, who is a Westwood resident. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. It's nice to have you here with us, and I'm looking forward to learning a bit more about you. And the reason it is appropriate for us to be in the library is because you have just published a book. And full disclosure, I need to explain to those listening how we got to this point of doing the podcast this way, because... Ian's book is called Dystopia's Edge. And as soon as I saw you post about it on the bulletin board, I got all excited. <laughs> and I called our content coordinator, Abby Stern. I said, hey, get in touch with Ian. We're going to run an excerpt from the book. Well, tell people why running an excerpt from the book in the nice, family-friendly Westwood Living publication may not be the way to go. <laughs> well, it's an action book. It's a it's a cyberpunk Western set in the year 2121. There's like mercenaries. There's, um, you know, smuggling missions. And there's corporations that have eclipsed the power of the federal government. It's like, it's like RoboCop if it was a book. So um, let's just say if it was a movie, it would probably be rated R, right? Yeah, it probably got some. It's got some shootouts, and it, it's a, as any good Western would. That's cool. Well, that's fine. So where we made the turn left is I said, you know what? Let's talk to Ian as a Westwood resident. Let's learn a little bit about him, figure out how he became an author, what he does for work, and then we'll talk a little bit about the book itself. So I appreciate the opportunity. No, I think it's great. My pleasure. And congratulations to you for getting this into print, which has to be incredibly fulfilling. And where did it start? How did you get here? How did you get to the point there finally in January of 2023, February 2023, you've got a book, Dystopia's Edge, that's in print and available to people? Well, the pandemic hit, and I graduated Brandeis University back in 2011 with a um, major in biology, a minor in English. And, you know, I participated in the newspapers there. I did some comics for the humor magazine on campus, and I compiled that before. But since entering the pharmaceutical industry, I just have not been able to uh, exercise a lot of output with my creative outlets. Uh, when the pandemic hit, I had a lot of free time. So I got started on a novel. I couldn't sleep one night. And so I started writing basically the most cliche action novel I could think of. And then it just sort of snowballed from there. And all of a sudden I was having like this mercenary go through Yosemite Park. And I, <laughs> then I was having um, showdowns in the Salton Sea in uh, California. And I just sort of, I really fell in love with the process. And then um, I managed to get it out before my daughter was born. So I'm really happy about that. When was your daughter born? She was born last April. Well, congratulations. Thank you. That changes your life a little bit, doesn't it? It does. Uh, less time for writing, so I'm glad I got this out. Well, I've learned different things from talking to different authors over the years about when they write. So, for instance, I used to live in Detroit, work in Detroit, got to know Mitch Album, who I'm sure you know and probably admire as a very accomplished author. And one day I said to Mitch, because he had another job, right? He was a columnist for the Free Press. And I said, when do you write your books? And he said, you know, Tom, I go downstairs at 5 o'clock in the morning. And I close the door of my basement, and no one bothers me, and I just dedicate two hours a day to doing it. That was like, fascinating. right? You, you get a little bit of an insight as to how somebody puts together a book. So for you, I know it was before you had your child, but where did you find the time? I know the pandemic set things up a little bit differently, but when did you write? I still have a day job. I work at a, a medical device company out in Milford. But um, my wife, she gets nine hours of sleep. I'm more of a seven-hour kind of guy, so... You know, when, uh, for a while there, she was going to bed and I would 
probably just play video games or, you know, binge watch Game of Thrones or something like that. But when the pandemic hit, I was like, okay, let me try and do something a little bit more productive. So I spent about two hours every night, sometimes more, sometimes less, just listening to some some techno music and writing a a sci-fi novel. Got it. And uh, that's how I kind of punched it out. So where Mitch was a morning guy, you were really more of a night guy. Always been that way. Always been that way. Interesting. So you mentioned already that this isn't necessarily where it started. So for it to evolve to where it went, where did these turns in the road come for you? Did you get to the point where you're writing and the words are just flowing and you're like, well, this is going in a direction I may not have predicted. Yeah, I started it out as kind of like the most cliche action novel I could think of and then just sort of through the process you can't devote more and more time to a project and not sort of you know have bits of yourself come through I started thinking about how I write female characters and I wanted to handle that because you know uh, action novels written by men have not had a good track record with that Mm -hmm. I also sort of wanted to consider elements of sci-fi that I was interested in I uh, managed to I think punch out something that I'm proud of. I've gotten compliments from book bloggers that sort of operate in the genre. It's their wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. But uh, strangely enough, one of the biggest compliments came from my wife's friends at uh, the Thanksgiving party we had. Uh, She complimented, well, some of the things I was working for. And um, I, I don't know, I just really enjoyed it. And just sort of when you put a lot of time into it, it sort of evolves and becomes a little bit more than what you were expecting, if that makes sense. I love it. So take me through, for instance, who is the main character? If you could give us a brief summary of what this story is about, you know, Dystopia's Edge. Who's who's the guy who's the, the hero or the villain or the person who we're most drawn to as we flip the pages? So the main character of Dystopia's Edge is a mercenary named Benjamin Edge. And he, he's like a gun for hire. He takes like sort of shady jobs for money and he takes what's supposed to be a simple job and it all goes wrong. Um, I'm, I won't bore you with the genetically modified super soldiers or the uh, druidic cult operating out of Yosemite Valley. What I will say is he connects with a person from his past, an old partner who was a former drug addict. And he sort of meets up with him and finds that his old partner, Corvin Wire, has kind of turned his life around and become like a good person. And he's taking this job pro bono because he sees that there's something good at the end of it. And they sort of go on this journey together and they see nature and there's some colorful characters with them. And they all sort of, it's a road trip kind of thing where they sort of, the journey changes you as you, and when you reach the destination, you find your values and what you want to do with your life have kind of changed at the end. So that's kind of what I was going for. You used some key buzzwords there that leads to my next question. You talked about journey, you talked about destination. When you're writing a book like this, and it does evolve, at what point do you have to say, okay, there is a finish line, and I know where I want to go, and I know where I want to take this. At what point did that become clear to you that that's where I need to go? Well, at the start, it was like the job that Benjamin Edge takes, it's from getting to it's from it's basically a smuggling job he gets some medical equipment uh from his corporate sponsor weaves into your day job (laughs) exactly (laughs) that he needs to smuggle from one end of the countryside to the other and i always knew that he'd get from a to b but it was the stuff that happened in the middle that i had no idea on and that's where the story took its own life and where the ending meant a little bit something different than i thought it would 
Does that make sense? I love it. Of course, because as you're sort of stuck in your world of writing, you, you go down these different paths and you're like, well, how am I going to bring that back? And maybe sometimes you don't. Maybe sometimes the finish line morphs and, and that might have happened in this case. Let's talk a bit about the business side of it because as you write a book, you've got to make the decision, am I going to work with a publisher or am I going to self-publish this? And you decided that this, this was going to be a self-published project. Yes. So as you get through that decision-making process, what were some of the the key milestones to take you down that road? Well, um, I do have some friends who work in traditional publishing, and I knew that if I traditionally published the book, yeah, it could get some more traction initially, but it would take three years of retooling, and I, hey, I've got a day job, mm -hmm. I've got a daughter, <laughs> so... Um, and you I didn't have three years. <laughs> and I didn't have three years to do that. So I did take the self-publishing route. I do have some content in the book blogging community um, through Dungeons and Dragons back at Brandeis okay. back in the day. And I do have some friends. So I did manage to get some traction with book bloggers and I did manage to hold an advertising campaign and I did get some success that way. It's just basically something I wanted to have on my name. It's something I just wanted to get done on the bucket list. You know, mm -hmm. I, I toured Europe, I ran a marathon, and uh, now I just wanted to get a book done before I had a kid. Does that make sense? Of course it does. I think it's great. You set goals and then you set, you set up the pins and you start knocking them down. So as the world of print publishing has evolved over the years, yes, someone can literally flip through the pages of Dystopia's Edge. But how about the world of you know, digital, you know, Kindles and people reading books that way. What have you learned about that and how much of the volume of people reading your book is going to go through that avenue? Oh, uh, it's easily the largest source of the uh, revenue. I love the print uh, book. I give it away to all my friends. But most of the sales are through Kindle e-readers and also the Amazon Unlimited program. The Amazon Unlimited program, for anyone thinking about self-publishing a book, Sign up. It's uh, it's basically Netflix, but for books. What happens is you pay Amazon a flat fee and you get unlimited reading, but they actually pay you per page people read. And so that's actually been the largest source of revenue for me. There's just a, a swath of people out there who are just interested in picking up any new release and just sort of flipping through it using their Amazon Unlimited account. And I actually managed to get a lot of traction through that. It was eye-opening for me. That's pretty cool. You learn along the way. You mentioned previously that you have done, you're a comic guy. Yeah. Now, did you create comics yourself or you were just in that world of reading comic books and getting absorbed by that. Did you create your own or what? Oh, I published my own uh, comic strips back at Brandeis University. I, uh, I uh, had a regular comic strip in The Hoot for a while, which was the campus newspaper. And I what was the name of it? The, the, the Hoot. No, not The Hoot, your comic strip. Oh, uh, it was called uh, The Brandeis Wasp. Okay. <laughs> because I was the wasp at uh, Brandeis University, which is traditionally Jewish. So yeah, it was sure. a joke. I later changed it just to be laughing warlock because I couldn't, there was only so much I could milk that joke. Sure, got it. <laughs> but I did publish some um, uh, editorial cartoons for The Justice, which was the other uh, newspaper on campus. And I uh, had a regular page of comics that came out every semester in Gravity Magazine, which was a humor magazine on campus. That's great. Do you, you still active in that at all? Or do you, no, no. Do you miss it? I miss it, obviously. I missed having like my uh, my cartoons on campus. But the fact of the matter is, you know, when I graduated, I just sort of wanted to pass off the torch to the next group of people. Very cool. 
What sort of feedback have you gotten from the Westwood community? The Westwood community? You know, it only occurred to me recently to advertise to the Westwood community. Why I'm, not? You live here. I, I do live here, but it's like a very niche sort of, it's a cyberpunk Western novel with like sci-fi and action. So sure. I just, I, I didn't know if that would be like good to advertise to the general public, but then I posted it on the Westwood uh, Facebook groups and I actually got a lot of traction through it. So I'm grateful. I hope my uh, neighbors like my novel. Well, sure. I think anybody wants to support those who live near them and anybody who takes a risk right i think anybody who says i'm going to go do something different and that's appreciated i think by the community it's definitely appreciated so for me to be able to spotlight you a little bit and shine a light on what you've done because listen you put your heart and soul into this thing. i did this is a huge book <laughs> if you look at this book and i know many of you will read it electronically but the book itself is 479 pages so this isn't something you're going to read in a weekend. You're going to be engaged in this for quite a while, but it reads quick. It's not. It's not. Uh, my brother read it in two days, but that's because he was on break, and he's my brother. <laughs> but um, it, it reads quick. I'd say it's about it, it, time and a half for what it took you to read the Da Vinci Code. Very cool. Well, it's called D Dystopia's Edge. It's written by Ian Price, a Westwood resident. I highly recommend that you. Yeah, check it out. Do a little research, and if it floats your boat, perfect. We made a connection, and that's how it all starts, right? Thank you so much for your time. Oh, my gosh, Ian. Congratulations on publishing the book. You knocked down another goal in your life. You mentioned that you ran a marathon. Congrats. Uh, the, Las the Las Vegas Marathon for my bachelor party. There's something wrong about that. <laughs> I mean, come on. Do you really go out in your bachelor party and say, hey, let's run a marathon? I don't think I would be doing that. So, hey, to each their own... <laughs> Congrats. You got that done. You traveled Europe and now you got a book. That's Ian Price. If you've got an idea of anybody else we might talk to here on the Westwood Living Podcast, be sure to reach out to me, T. Lydon at bestversionmedia.com. This is what it's all about. I'm hopeful just to spread the word, talk about accomplishments, and just spotlight some of our most interesting residents. And obviously, Ian Price is among those who qualify. So thanks a lot again for the time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.